Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the My Fancy Zamboni. Uh, we have to start by apologising. We have some bad news. The Toothless Wonder is having a day off. Um, we know, contain your disappointment. Um, apparently he had somewhere better to be. He's off He's off seeing bowling for soup today. Not bowling, as I originally read it. I, I'd heard he's gone temping bowling. Maybe he went bowling before the gig. Temping Toothless. <laughs> so as you can gather we uh we we have uh, we have dave and andy still joining us so dave how are we doing today you all right mate i'm not too bad thank you joe how are you good good i'm all right mate i'm uh i'm not in work tomorrow as i probably haven't mentioned yet so um oh, well i i hope you have a wonderful day off tomorrow i hope you get the chance to get some r&r before the weekend i'm sure you do um <laughs> No, it's good to be back um, on the podcast after a, a weekend of cheering on uh, Queen and Country and, and Harry and Meghan. Um, so, yeah, it's good to be back. What did Harry and Meghan have to do well, with anything? Because they're now kind of not really part of the Queen and Country bit. So, you know. in a secret Vancouver Canucks fan. <laughs> <laughs> so the next riot in Vancouver, blame the Royals. <laughs> and on that note, Andy, how are you <laughs> Uh, well, it's Friday, so nearly uh, Friday. Nearly Friday. Nine minutes. Half an <laughs> hour till Friday. Uh, so yeah, I'm getting that uh, as you lad. I'm all right, mate. Because if you haven't already heard, today was my Friday because I'm not in work tomorrow. So uh... really? Wow. Is this going to be a Yorkshire edition of the podcast? How much? Now we've now we've not got the um the uh, the the soon to be. Uh, deported to Yorkshire, Gref. We all know what's happening, Gref. So you know, is this just going to be a full-on Yorkshire dialect podcast? I think it might be, lad. Oh, inject it in my veins. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, no, rumor has it that Gref actually booked his tickets to the gig when Fife will be in Manchester three-nil, um, just because he didn't want the uh, the torture of having his team lose to Fife and then be mentioned on the podcast. Uh, but. You know, the, the tickets were non-cancellable when they brought it back. So, uh, yeah, on that note, a lot of hockey. Um, as Dave say, GB over the weekend in the Olympic qualies. Unfortunately, missed out on the next stage. Um, I'd like to say narrowly missed out, but it wasn't very narrow by the end. But we'll get to that later. Um, Storm beat Nottingham 4-3 in a shootout. Uh, Greth isn't here to thank for that, but I'm sure... Uh, a lot of Steelers fans will be wanting to do that. Uh, Five beat Dundee 4-1 uh, for their first win in uh, a calendar year. And that's definitely a sorry, not sorry moment. Um, that, uh, wasn't very ho- that wasn't very hockey family, was it? Sorry, think about the children. Um, do you know what? All I, can, all, I, all I can say is I feel sorry for the guy that created the Have Five Won a Game Yet Twitter account. Because um, it had such potential... Um, and then Dundee beat Guildford 4-3 as well um, so a lot of 4-3 scorelines because that was the score that Manchester beat Fife as well so yeah highlights gents mine is an overall uh, highlight of, of the Olympic qualifiers from the respect of, of us as a nation hosting around at the Olympic qualifiers um, we had the opportunity eight years ago uh, and turned it down which meant uh, GB going over to Japan um, and qualified. Um, well calculated decision was well co- but the, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it cost us money. Ah, Japan. <laughs> it was it was the, well, I think, that's probably what it were. Um, 
Uh, and so it was, and I think there was like five or six GB fans actually made it out to Japan. Um, funny enough, there's actually never been any highlights of that tournament, but that's, that's going di- I'm digressing there. But it was good to see Great Britain host the tournament. Um, results aside, though, the attendance system was on the whole good. Thursday was always not going to be the better one, but Saturday, Sunday, you, you, you're looking... You know, good five, five and a half, which, given that our history of hosting in terms of a lack of, I, I thought it was good. It was just great. And also, from when you go abroad watching them and you hear the host station playing, there's a noise and an atmosphere for that team. It was just so good on the Saturday. And I pointed out to Andy and Greff just how good it were just to sit back and listen to the noise in the, in the NIC. For, for Team GB, it was just just after years of, of hearing it for others, it was just so good to hear it for our own. Um, so to the hosts, to the people who work behind the scenes, um, well done guys and girls, um, great work uh, throughout. Uh, but the results will will digress later on. Yeah, uh, just fantastic that was. That um, qualifiers really fun, really good. Uh, it's great to see everyone together, you know, uh, cheering, cheering for GB, and uh, yeah, just I'm gonna take that as a massive aggressive dig at me for not being there. No. All right. You you had a good reason. Did. Okay. Uh, anyway, my my top highlight. Well, say top. Yeah, top highlight game. Don't say crazy. don't say top play because if it's top oh, well. play, it's probably gonna be rubbish. <laughs> um. Well. Uh, I'm going to say the Lackanum, Curran and Johnston goal uh, for Coventry against Guildford. Just a fantastic, a fantastic team goal. Uh, and there's been quite a few goals that have just been like one from one person. But this was a genuine team goal. Just tic-tac-toe back in it and just a fantastic play. It was a nice goal. I have to say, though... The third play of the week this week, which in my opinion should have been the first play of the week this week, uh, was the Ryland Schmier goal. Um, sorry, Braylon Schmier, not Ryland Schmier. It was Ryland Schmier. Braylon Schmier goal. You tell us. Uh, against Coventry. Really nice um, individual effort. Skates in on the defender. Defender goes in to throw a little hip check in there. Just flicks the puck up, dances over the uh the attempted hit and then just skates in through the wickets of the goalie uh, as he goes down into butterfly. So a really nice goal. Uh, nice finish um, from another player that we mentioned in uh, the airport section not long back. So we, we're seeing a bit of a um, bit of a reoccurrence here, gents. And I, I seem to recall him being another player that we weren't really too fond on. Uh, Dave, you and I were also talking about uh, the who was the guy from Manchester that we weren't really singing the praises of that's done quite well so far? Oh, yeah, him. Frankie Melton. Frank, that's the one. I was yeah. just going to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the bottom line of that story is, if you guys, if if your team signs a player who we do not rate, well done, you've signed a good player. Because um, that seems to be the trend at the moment. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, we go to the airport section, and I think um, Andy, I'm going to throw it over to you. Oh, okay. uh, let's hope he's ready. Um, there has been a signing. In Glasgow. There has indeed. Uh, his name is Sean Robertson. He's a Canadian. Uh, he joins from Briançon in France. 31 games and 7 points. Uh, I not really scream a lot. The season before that, he was with uh, Chergy in the French second division. A little better. 26 games, uh, 24 points. Uh, before that, 
He had uh, a few stints in the ECHL with uh, Utah Grizzlies, Reading Royals, and the Florida Everblades. Uh, getting a couple of points in the uh, in his last two stints in the ECHL. Uh, but he's got a fairly decent resume. Um, a few college NCAA uh, games in there as well. Uh, U Sports, which is uh, again quite a, quite a common thing you see in big players who played in that league and uh, come over here and done, done pretty well so yeah look, looks uh, decent I guess he's another body that they need I think they've started to get a few more injuries again uh, still very young 28 years old uh, and a D-man so, still 6 foot 1 so it's a quite a big presence but yeah an, another um, body and I think he's going to fit in pretty well but what threw me at first is that I uh, I thought he was one of the uh, former five guys because I know there was a, a, co- a couple of Robertsons in that team. Uh, so I, I originally thought it was a UK player, but obviously it wasn't. But yeah, um, seems a decent stay-at-home demand signing for, for the Glasgow. Um, yeah. Um, when we 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 looked at the stats and in. I kind of went down the route that we have done all year, saying, you know, this doesn't stand out much. It doesn't seem to be anything, but like Joe said at the beginning, it kind of backfires because they've all turned out to be very good. Um, but, you know, it's another importance of another body. And I suppose it, in what Glasgow need is the, the solidification of their playoff spot, and this will help them. Just another body to help get, you know, cross the line because they have that really good peak in October time of, you know, potential challenging for the title and they really dropped off but that's also coincided with a lot of injury problems so another body's going to help him and again you know different scene Briancon was a decent side in France um, you know may, may do a job I, I don't want to kind of look at the scene and go yeah I'm not expecting much I think he could do a job this one I think it could surprise us actually be the CV will absolutely go yeah Maybe all right. Yeah, um, another difficult one to read. A lot of a lot of kind of junior leagues and obviously NCAA U Sports, as Andy says, we're seeing more and more. Uh, but still not the easiest one to read in terms of of what the kind of the what the stats say. Um, I certainly think Andy, you you kind of touched on the fact that he seems to be more of a stay at home D man looking at his points. Um, in seven points in thirty one for Brian Con. Uh, 24 points in 26 in the French 2 league um, but you know you'd expect in the next league down maybe a few more points um, the rest to, to you know to be fair 9 points in 14 22 from 35 so he does look like he can help in that column as well I mean he played 35 games in the SPHL in 2016-17 22 points and all of those were assists so quite possibly quite a good transitional player um, if he's got that, if he's got the ability and the uh, and the vision to move that puck behind the net, kind of like Scott Arson did when he came into Sheffield, um, he was one of those players that could have the puck behind the back of the net and his vision to see where the players were and what kind of play was best. Um, you know, he did a good job coming into Sheffield at first with that. He's one of those kind of players. He could make a difference in Glasgow. Um, I mean, we've got to we've got to bear in mind this is a team that needs to find some form. Um, Dave, as you say, the one thing that's going to be on their mind is is making sure they're making making playoffs. Um, their their run recently is um, one win, three losses, and an overtime loss in their last five. 
they need to find some form drastically because they're going to be dropping and dropping down the standings. Um, if they've got a player and this is a last-ditch effort to try and give themselves that chance, fair play to them. No reason why it couldn't work. Um, but again, a bit of a wait-and-see one, a bit of a kind of guy that's a bit of an unknown. He's 28 years old, so, you know, the last few signings that we've seen recently, if memory serves me right, were, were, were slightly younger on that scale, but 20, 28 years old. My only real comment on it is he hasn't really broken into any serious senior leagues, really. He's played seven seven games in one season, one game and two games in the ECHL. Nothing really there. I mean the only real the only real serious senior league that he's broken into is the French league. Um other than that, mainly junior and minor league. So we'll we'll see. Um you know, no reason to, to, to think that he can't make a difference in Glasgow. Um so yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see what kind of thing he brings to that roster. Um the only other change that we've actually got, we've got quite a short airport section this week. Um, still awesome. making sure that every week we've got some kind of change or some signing or some departure. But I have to say, Dave has been absolutely chomping at the bit to talk about this one on the podcast. Uh, absolutely jumped down my throat as soon as I said who's going to talk about which one. Um, Dave, I'm not even going to give any other prior I, announcement about this that we're going to use to you I wasn't messing around I was having this because it is it's a big loss to the Nagan Panthers but it has led to the funniest PR I've seen for some time and I'm going to start with that um, just to give a if, if you haven't seen the PR which is well, not it's a fair even if you have it's amusing to hear again so let's do that so defenseman Jason DeSantis has left the Nagan Panthers end sentence the player handed in his notice this week. End sentence. The club was disappointed to learn of his decision. End sentence. We had no prior notification of the player's intention and no prior contact from his intended new club. End sentence. Negotiations have now concluded and the player's departure is confirmed. End sentence. NPR. That suggests someone or something or organisation is a tad on the salty side. However, I actually kind of get the shortness, the sharpness from the Panthers from that. Um, so if, if you are not um, a regular user of social media, it actually came out. So this announcement was on Tuesday, memory says right, this week. Monday night, his new club, Esbilic Energy, um, announced his signing. So understandably, if I'm the Panthers, especially a player who was actually having a good season for the Panthers. I think he was, he was two plus nine. He was in the plus section of the plus minus after 30 league games. Um, one of the consistent guys in, in the defence um, to just lose him on the spin as it appeared. Um, I, I think I'd be pretty annoyed. Um, you know, given the time scales and where he's been in January, I wouldn't be surprised if people was talking to him in January whilst he was out for the uh, the Continental Cup Super Final. Um, so, a bit of a loss for the Panthers. They, I think they're going to try and get someone in close to the because um, the transfer deadline within the WHF is fast approaching. So, the, you know, I think the last boarding call for the airport will be very soon. Um, but Thanks it is a bit of, for that. I'm going to say yes. I swear we can save a bit of time on the, the podcast. So, a bit of, it is a loss for the Panthers. I'll say that. Um, and when we watched him in Sheffield, 
yes, even when they the team was conceding a lot of goals, he was steady. That kind of, if you look at how you make the perfect defence, you need that steadiness. And he, he brought that in buckets. So, yeah, um, I'll wish him good luck because um, no one else is. And uh, let's, let's see if the Panthers and, and Doucette and Wallace's contacts, which we've mentioned a few times on the podcast, that the fear of their contacts being very limited proved wrong. The last two signings have, have appeared, apart from the last one, um, just because we haven't seen him enough, as appeared to be Masterstroke. So watch this space. I can understand why now the frustration we went through it a few years ago with uh, Christopher Bjorkland, who stopped halfway through the season. Uh, there wasn't much of a of a notice on that one either. So I can understand the frustrations of, of Panthers fans and and everyone media there. Uh, the decent drop out again, eleven points in thirty games, uh, as Dave said, as well as on the plus one in the plus minus rating. So he was he was a good player, uh, no doubt about it. No doubt that they will sign someone, someone better, uh, like they have done. As again, Dave said, the past two signs have been, have been pretty, pretty good. So there's no reason to suggest well they can't bring anyone better. Uh, for me, with it being you know middle of February, there's a month and 15 days to go of, of the season, and I don't see why they would need a new signing because I, I think this opens a, a good doorway to uh, Tetlo and Joe Hazeldown to get more ice time, which I think is what they need now. I think they'll do a pretty good job. I mean, they've been in this Panther side for quite a few years, seems already, and they've been do- doing pretty good, even though they've got limited ice time. I think, you know, it's starting to get to time where they deserve more ice time because, you know, if, if you don't give them the right amount of ice time, they'll go somewhere else and uh, on the XL and quit, end up being a, a big homegrown Boss for the for Panthers, so it is going to be interesting to see if they do bring anyone in and and who they bring anyone and, and who they bring in. But yeah, not the biggest of losses. Like I said, they could bring someone better in or gives better opportunities to the young Brits. Just before Joe jumps in on that, I think that's a, an interesting point you met there, Andy, in terms of you know allowing the British players to develop. Um, a lot of conversation over the season of the lack of development from this season um, from the Panthers to the British players, and and obviously Walsh being a, a very much a rookie coach, he's not gonna, he's he's too busy trying to get his team to win games. Um, so you know I, I think that I see what you I, I agree in respect of I can't see them just giving them the time. It would make sense. But some may then go, well, you're giving up already by giving them the, the ice time. So, interesting one, but a valid point and, and well worth raising, mate. It's a bit of a catch-22. Nottingham and Sheffield are in a very similar boat in that respect. And I think both of their Brit developments are, are suffering as a result. Not putting either of them in, in a similar position in, in terms of the actual final finish of last season, but... You've got to really think Nottingham and Sheffield both underachieved last year. They've both not had the best kind of season. They're both teams that are hungry to win some kind of silverware. They've both got history of silverware, one being League, one being Challenge Cup. And then all of a sudden, a couple of unsuccessful seasons here and there. And you're on the you're on the back foot. You're on the need. You're on that fight because your team need some kind of, of, of silverware coming in that season. And all of a sudden, 
the, the, the player development, the future plans go out the window, it all of a sudden becomes a very short-sighted season where you need to get some silverware at the end of it. Um, I'm a bit disappointed with the Panthers for sitting Tetlow down uh, down to the Peterborough Phantoms. I, I, I to be fair, I, I've sung the praises of Tetlow when we played him before, and I think he's done a very, very good job as a young D-man. Um, and I think he, he's got some serious potential to be one of the top Brit D-men if he's given that opportunity. Um, and, and Andy, absolutely spot on, mate, because DeSantis dropping out so close to the transfer deadline, quite possibly a, a window for him. Um, but we'll see. I mean, to be fair, it seems to be a bit of a sidestep for DeSantis. Though. You've got to wonder if there's some other kind of motivation to this move. Danish league isn't particularly outstanding. It's not a league that I would particularly airmark. You know, for a, for a guy of his experience, he's played EBEL, he's played Alps Hockey League, he's played AHL, NCAA, Czech, uh, Czech Elite League. He isn't. He's played uh, so the Liga as well. He's not a player who needs to showcase himself in a in a lower European league. And to me, the Danish league certainly isn't a step up from the elite league. So you've got to wonder if there's some other kind of motivation there. Um, yeah, it, it it used to be you'd go to Denmark as the, ups, as the upstep, but nowadays you, you go the other way around for the upstep. So unless it's money or unless there's other things behind the scenes where he's just gone, I'm taking... I'm, advantage of this opportunity who knows i will say i did see a comment that somebody had somebody had shared a picture of um a comment that he put uh, allegedly on facebook i've i've just tried to find it now looking on facebook and i can't find it but it was on the nottingham panthers official release of, of of him leaving um I can't find it now, so I don't know whether he's deleted it. I don't know whether it's his official account. He has commented a couple of times on other people's comments, but he has this, this specific comment has gone. But the basic gist of it was saying that he's been going through a lot of rubbish ever since he joined the Panthers, and he's gone through a lot of rubbish with his family, and it was a decision for him and his family. <laughs> if that's the case, you can't fault the decision at all. If you're a Panthers fan, not necessarily the most positive thing to hear coming out of camp, but you can't really wish him badly on that front if that's the case. Um, you know they, they've just got to pick themselves up and, and not take the hit I mean they've been doing well other than that game against Manchester they have been doing well they've been getting some good results um, 5-1 thrashing against the Steelers in their own barn was, which, you know, was a good step forward and they're definitely in the title race so what they need to focus on now is just drawing a line under this not letting it affect their season like it, like it has the potential to if they dwell on it um, stat wise he was, he was a good player for them to be fair, plus minus a plus one in 30 games, 11 points, you know, six penalty minutes. So they didn't sit in the box too much. You know, he, he was a decent player, um, but they've just got to draw a line under it. Um, on the PR release, Dave, you were saying how short it is and how probably bang on the money in terms of what it needed to be. It was, but not just read it thinking it almost sounded like some kind of quick draft where you kind of write, you kind of give yourself some kind of prompting sentence to then come back later and type the actual thing. It was just one of those, you know, like it, look, it almost looked like a skeleton plan of what. The yeah, it, it looks like here's the shell, and we're gonna fill it. We're gonna give it the content. We're gonna put meat on the bones. Actually, we'll just press send. Oh dear, just leave it. Go on. We don't care. He's gone. It's just yeah. It was. 
I don't, you know, we're laughing at it. You know, it was everything that it needed to be. To be fair, and I think I think it also kind of why why not highlight the the fact that you're irritated by it. You know, in the most in a profession, they didn't do it in a non-professional way. They've not slagged him off. They haven't said, "Oh, we're disgusted that he's leaving." All they've done is said, "He's leaving." This was the first we've heard about it. We didn't have any prior notice to this. You know, that's it. They kept it nice and clean, nice and professional. But why not let their fans know that they're annoyed about it? I agree with that. And it, it was the same thing with Pete Russell, though. It was the same thing with Pete Russell, where, where when Pete Russell left and the Glasgow fans, it was a 50-50 split. And when he left, the club kind of put out that were a bit. They put out a comment of something along the lines of they were disappointed at Pete's decision when they invested their trust in him in signing him on a three-year contract and he started to build the team and all this kind of stuff. And people were saying then, oh, why can't you just wish him well? Why not let your fans know that you're annoyed about it? Show some, you know, if you think that this was the guy that was going to make a difference to your team, why not tell the fans that this is, we've done what we can. This is not our decision. We've not had any part in this. You know, all we can do is move on. Fully agree, mate. Um, any more on, on the airport section? Any more on, on short PR releases? I think, to be fair, we've talked about it more than they did in the PR release. So Yeah, we did. <laughs> well, not, that, not that that's particularly difficult. Um, <laughs> the next thing that I've got, then, Dave, I'm going to throw it over to you because all I've got written down is EIHL scores. Yeah, so, obviously, um, Sheffield, Nottingham, Cardiff, Belfast had the weekend off with the Olympic qualifiers, but the others didn't. So, just a quick recap. Uh, Coventry beat Guildford 3-2 on the Friday. Glasgow defeated Manchester. Sorry, not sorry, Graf. Uh, 3-2 as mentioned. Five, as already mentioned, by Joe beat Dundee 4-1, with their first win for ever. Then the night, then after Dundee beat Guildford 4-3, Manchester beat 5-4-3 on penalties. And then last night, Manchester beat Nottingham. 4-3 on penalties. Um, that has made the playoff race interesting. And I think the winner out of that one um, is Manchester. I think they, they could be... I th- I th- you've seen a lot of teams will get like three games win and then implode. And whilst the others implode, someone wins and then they'll implode. And it's back and forth. And I, I, I think... The next seven weeks will be very interesting. I, I I don't think you can... Three weeks ago, I would have said to you, these are the two teams that are going to miss out. We even did it on one of the things of the podcast. Yeah. I think now, I think you now are going to struggle to go with a, with a bit of confidence, not just because, oh, Griff's on the podcast, that's why I'm up. I generally now don't think we can go. I think them two are going to miss the playoffs because the, the vast amount of Jekyll and Hyde from the teams in that section of the of the division, it makes for interesting viewing. It makes for entertainment, um, and as entertaining as the title race in that respect. Um, but you know, week in week out, I think you're just going to see so many different moves in and around that bottom two, and that last place in the playoffs. Um, yeah, if if you're the good thing about it though is if your team's not involved in the title race potentially you're involved in this other race. So you actually have something to play for up to. And it's not just two teams that are playing for that spot. You've got three or four teams. So it, it widens the gap, you know, widens the, uh, the interest. So it's it'll, it's good for the league in that respect. Having a wider title race, but also a very tight playoffs race to make the playoffs. 
Yeah. It's it's definitely a very interesting uh, in both ends of the table at the top and the bottom. I mean, you've got teams with, uh, as, as what I say, tanked a bit throughout the season, but then they get a second chance with the playoffs. Uh, they have a good run in the playoffs, they come at, come at the finals. So, you know, it's very interesting both both ends. And uh, you can't say that any game is going to be easy because you even if, you, if you're top top four team playing against the bottom uh, any of the bottom six it's always going to be a tough game because they're going to be fighting for you know similar, similar to what you are that they're fighting for, the, for a playoff spot and then you're fighting for the for the first place league spot so you know they're all fighting for something and it is good to see because as we said numerous times uh, five six years ago it was always pretty much one one clear winner. There wasn't really many horses in that race, but now you've got all ten teams fighting for something, and it is good to see. It just makes every game interesting, you know. There's there's, there's no uh, there's no games where you think, oh, there's no need to put any effort in here because we've already lost this or or that. But every game is crucial, and uh, it it just makes it very 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 interesting and intriguing to see what will happen come come the end of March. The one thing that concerns me about the running, from a Steelers fan's perspective, is our last game of the league is against Cardiff. We also play at the latter stage in the last couple of games of the league. We also play, I think it's the day before the Cardiff game, is that Manchester away? It is, yeah. Manchester, who have a significant chance of being one of the three bottom teams trying to fight to keep themselves above that line. Now, that's a team who will potentially, come that game of the season, have a hell of a lot to play for to keep themselves in the playoffs. And Manchester are a team who will throw everything at that game and who will not let us forget it if they cost us the title. Um, But, no, you guys are bang on. I mean, to be fair, I mean, Sheffield are at the top at the moment on 57, Cardiff second and 52, Belfast on 50, Nottingham on 49. I wouldn't even really discount Coventry on 47 right now. Coventry would be a, a significant outside bet. The 10 points shy of Sheffield. But, the form team over the last 10 games. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. And uh, to be fair, five games, you know, five games, five wins will get you 10 points. You know, and there's plenty of games left to play and there are no games that are guaranteed. So anything could change. You look at the bottom... At the bottom four, Glasgow on 37, Manchester on 37, Dundee on 34, Fife on 28. I'd expect Fife to, you know, it. Uh, we say that we can't pick the bottom two. I would say with confidence that Fife are going to be in the bottom two. But I wouldn't pick the other team to join them there. And I wouldn't say it's out of the picture for Fife to 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 get above that point I wouldn't I wouldn't put it out of the picture for them to make playoffs I would just I, I would be saying now I would expect them to be in the bottom two but I, I fully agree I think Manchester have come out as the, as the leading team over the last weekend over the last week um, big win against Nottingham big comeback against Fife um, which I'm sure had uh, I'm sure Greff's heart was in his mouth at one point in that game when they were losing 3-0 to Fife in their own building but Big comeback to win that game 4-3 in a shootout. Um, yeah, some some big points for teams there. I mean, Dundee picked a couple of points up. Fife picked up a first win in a while. Don't think that's going to change the world, but yeah, all to play for for a lot of teams. 
I mean, you look at it's, it's 12 games left um, and nine points behind Manchester. Um, I'm just trying to do the uh, the quick math. Um, right, I'm just I my flashbacks to man, man's not hot now. Yeah, um, I think I think Manchester need potentially um, sort of to six six or seven points, and then five are out of the race. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as much as I still think you can't pick the actual two, unless five unless five can go on at such a crazy run. Because here's the thing, I think the one team that hasn't gone on a crazy run so far this season has been five. No, they've and gone this, on a crazy run. It's just been the opposite we, way. Yeah, you no. Know, when we say crazy run, we're talking positive. We're talking wins. We're not talking. We're, we're talking. We're not talking the regular season. Twitter account titled "Well, will the five <laughs> players lose?" Like, you know, let's just say that they start banging five wins on the trot, and then Manchester starts to get nervy, and they start dropping points. It's. I think the odds on if you were a better man, you put your money on five, not making the final eight. If the odds. If the odds were good, I also wouldn't. I wouldn't rule off putting a couple of quid on to see what happens. Yeah, see if they could put, if they could string a runner form. The problem is for them is who they have, um, and I think it's it's not in their favour in the respect of they have Nottingham away, they've got Sheffield at home, then they have Cardiff away, Dundee away. So that's your first. That's your next four fixtures against. The top four and your local rival, who I'm pretty certain Dundee would be very happy in Dundee to put one nail in the coffin of five playoff chances. So yeah, sure that wouldn't get mentioned over and over again between fans. It's difficult. Oh, they'll not mention it once. It's difficult, but the season that's been had in the league so far, you won't rule it out. It's what's been so interesting about the league. I mean, we were we were in the opposite. We were, we were in Manchester's shoes come this time last year, and do you know it's no less nerve wracking. If if anything, at times it's more nerve wracking than being in the position we're in this year. Yes, we're in the title race. Yes, we want to be lifting Monty at the end of the season, but you're in the bot. You're in that bottom bracket. The one thing you don't want to be is is out of the rulings for playoffs before you've even got to the qualifiers. Like, you put your money down, you know, a lot of fans at least, you put your money down early doors for playoffs, regardless of whether or not you're going to be there. And to be fair, it doesn't necessarily affect the quality of the weekend. We we know that. We happily go to the weekend, regardless of whether we're, we're there or not. But you want to see your team there at the same time. And I think, in fairness, it's interesting times in five. Um, maybe for next week, they, they discussed the, the Q&A they had. Um, a lot of unhappy punters in Kakari. Um and they had uh, a Q&A with the, the directors who they rarely do tend to have that direct uh, Q&A style um, although they've, they've confirmed that they will be in the Elite League next year um, I, I suspect there may be some changes afloat in Fife over the next, especially in the summer I think they Macy, don't make playoffs so they don't make playoffs Todd do to he's going I, I suspect he may be moved within the club. I don't think they will get rid of Todd Duttium. The only way Todd Duttium is no longer involved in the Five Flyers is when Todd Duttium decides to eventually go to mm. his native home. Fife is his home. It's where his, he married his, his wife and his kids. Um, so they're no longer with us. Uh, but Fife is his home. 
Um, so, but if he wanted to go back to his native home, I think that's the only way Todd would ever not be involved in the fires. He is a legend yeah. of the fires, of the modern yeah, day yeah, legend. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's like moved around. You know, maybe, you know, maybe they find a budget and and, and kind of have him as the general manager. Now, have him as general manager, maybe um, Hutchins as coach. To be fair, we are talking about the guy who recruited Flash Gordon, so anything is possible. Exactly. So I I, I suspect it's going to be as much, maybe not on the rink, but I think it'll be as interesting for Fife off the rink in the next six months. Yeah, definitely interesting times north of the border. Um, Do we have anything else to add on on that, on the IHL scores, on on that kind of section? We've got to move on. Let's move on. I'm seeing nodding heads, so we'll move on. So the next thing I've got on the agenda are the GB qualifiers. Uh, I am not the best person qualified to discuss this, given that the only game that I was supposed to be going to, I didn't because I went out the night before. So I'm going to throw it over to you two first. <laughs> so that, that's what that was his good reason for not being there. So as I mentioned in the the highlights, Great Britain competed in the second to final qualifying round for the Olympic Games in Beijing 2022. Assuming that all health issues are sorted, of course. Strangely, um, then. Yeah, uh, and as we mentioned last week, um, Hungary, Estonia, and Romania were the three teams that Great Britain was to go up against. Now, Great Britain started with a not as convincing as they'd like, but a win nonetheless, four-three against Romania. Then Saturday night, they moved through the gears and took Estonia part seven-one to. Um, put up a, a winner-takes-all game against the Hungarians who had one thing on their mind apart from the obvious of qualification was revenge for us ruining their party back in 2018 in Budapest. And revenge they got um, with a pretty convincing 4-1 victory and that sends Hungary to the next round uh, in Riga where they'll be um, competing with... Uh, Latvia, France and Italy um, the shock results so when I say the shock results um, it's a case of how the, the Olympic qualifiers work the winning teams then determining where they're seeded would go which group so the, the theory were um, Kazakhstan, GB Slovenia would qualify and on the rankings GB would go to Slovakia um, Kazakhstan would go to Latvia and Slovenia would go to Norway with Poland beating Kazakhstan um, it spanned everything around and given that two teams in that group GB have beaten over the last two years there was that small thought of could could it happen could the craziest of things happen and we thought making the world champs was crazy but actually with a good set of results could GB have actually made the Olympic Games? Um, not and Hungary me. went, and uh, no. Hungary went, and our server says, uh-uh. um, So, it wasn't to be. Um, it means some money saved for myself and Andy, and some holiday days saved. Um, maybe used for a different hockey, hockey trip, but... Uh, to be fair, mate, Riga would have been a, a trip on my list as well. I, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I went seven years ago. Significantly uh, more affordable than I Switzerland was for a start. My, my first GB trip. Um, it was kind of eerie where when we were all going around Samantha and all the members of on, on social media, and that was coming up seven years ago. Um, 
just a beautiful place. Um, and that was when it was snowing. So August, um, cheap refreshments. I couldn't have thought of anything worse. Um, and it was, you know, it's a shame because, you know, the thing, I think the disappointing thing for that result weren't the fact that GB didn't get the result. And I think, I think it was the fact that it was the hope of going to the group in Latvia and just things maybe align themselves. And I think that maybe have enhanced the, the disappointment. The team tried. The team always tried. You know for a fact that this group of, of players um, gives everything for the shirt. I mean, Christ, when the captain is Jonathan Phillips, he doesn't give an inch regardless of shirt he wears. Well, yeah. He doesn't give an inch regardless of what shirt, whether it's a Sheffield shirt or a GB shirt. If he, put, he puts on a shirt, he demands a level of effort. And you always see it from a GB team. Pete Russell's the same. He demands a level of effort. You know, and, and in fairness, not making the next round, maybe just a slight best in disguise, and I'll, I'll bring Andy into this one. Uh, because if we're honest, GB have significantly punched above their weight in the last two years on the international scene. It is like, you know, the, the, the old stereotypical story of, of the, 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 the podgy kid um, picking up the the, the the, the beautiful the girl at the prom well and truly punched above your the weight and they have done if we're honest what the ranking that gb have we should not be in a second year at the world champs but we have but maybe this loss just levels things a bit just to remind them not that we'll need it but just remind of we can't win everything bit of a reality check just, you know just a slight one because i i think they know the reality and they saw it was difficult. You know, the Denmark result was definitely, a, yes, this is a level we're at. So they got that. But just just a, a little nudge of, just remember, guys. And I, I hope that is the case. And I, I wonder what Andy thinks, that it'll spur them on even more in Lausanne in May. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Chibi had a good few years of euphoria. And you know what? It's, it's been there that they've played really, really well. But they've kind of, I think got a bit ahead of themselves and uh, losing against Hungary, it it brought them back, right down to earth again. And I think that's what you know we needed just you know to, to remind them where they are, how, how they got here, and that you know nothing is going to be easy. Just because you're playing in the top divisions, I mean, I mean you know you're going to win every night or anything like that. But yeah, it, it it's going to be interesting as well because obviously with it being in Nottingham. Uh, then they know they love disappointed that their home fans and 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 not done what what they want to do for them in in, in making it to the next next round. So they'll want to make it up to to the, to the fans that were there and, and and that were watching. So I think it's definitely going to spur them on uh, for the World Championships and hopefully they'll they'll regroup. They'll they'll um to kind of tell Swift phrase. They'll they'll shake it off and. Uh, We'll get back to it and hopefully be be fighting the better for the champs. Can't tell if Andy just had a bet on with somebody that he was going to get the phrase Taylor Swift shake it off into into the podcast. I, I, was, I was just thinking of the whole Danny Taylor thing with Nottingham. Oh, brilliant! Oh, oh Jesus! No. Honest Andy in the bin. <laughs> just have no words. 
just like last week's podcast. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed the irony of last week's podcast, by the way, being a nearly three-hour podcast being called No Words. Um, <laughs> it was a good length, wasn't it? it yeah, yeah. Um, again, no words. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as you, as you say, Dave, started out, started out well, but not maybe, maybe not as strongly as we expected against Romania. Got the job done. Um Slow start to the Estonia game, nil-nil first period, but then just really, really up to gear. Um, young Estonia team, and to be fair, I, I think maybe seven-one didn't necessarily do them justice as far as they did put some good chances on. Um, you know, but we were just clinical in chances that we took. And then moving over to the Hungary game, first period good, end to end. You know, both teams. It, yeah, there were a lot of times in that in that in that first period where the, the the breaks in play, sorry, or the breaks in between the breaks in play, it went for a long, long time before the whistle was blowing again. But then Hungary just ground us out, and I, there was just there was just no way that we were getting back in that game. Um, to be fair to Bounds, and I think you 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 say, Dave, I think the the most disappointing part of it was wasn't necessarily the final result it was the hope and it was it was that disip- that's the disappearing people coming down off cloud nine and, and maybe those i don't want to say unrealistic expectations but I, I think the issue is if we'd have gone through and we would have gone through to that next round it would have been even more devastating at that point given the, the teams that we've beaten in that group and things like that but i've, I've got to say i think the other significantly disappointing thing about this is how swiftly certain cohorts of fans have moved to jump on Ben Bounds' back. Oh, ridiculous. Um, and It's ludicrous. I, I, I went on a bit of a rant on, on Twitter about this because... Yeah, I noticed that. It was literally like every five minutes on my timeline, some random... It, it was disjointed. I was getting was, random parts in random orders on my timeline. It's I, 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 I kind of I left it a bit because I'm like, I saw it and I'm like, are oh, you talking crap? So I'll leave it a bit. Leave cool. me a couple of days. Uh, well, we're, we're trying to be a PC. Um, if it weren't, trust me, you get the full what I thought of it. Um, and it's just still the same thing. And I'm just like, I, I generally, uh, it's the old argument that we've had many times on this podcast throughout the season of people and their use of social media. I generally think some of the comments aimed at Ben Bounds was, "Ooh, let's let's have a dig at him because he's from Cardiff. Ooh, let's have a go. Let's let's not look at a bit of logic." You know, the guy's been rinsed by Cardiff in playing every game. Some of the goals he conceded, and he'll know this himself, so this is not me saying, oh, you are awful, was looking at a netminder who's tired. He was absolutely knackered. I think from you know, his perspective, not making the next round maybe not such a bad thing. Well, yeah, well, yeah, especially as, you know, if, if let's just assume that Cardiff won the league. He'd then have the Olympic qualifiers, and then the CHL, and then the league. So he would have had like seven games, proper games, not pre-season, before the league. So, but you know, he's played every game, give or take, give or take every minute for Cardiff this season. The kid's knackered. The kid needs a break. He needs to have some. I'm going to use the phrase better management. I'm not saying he's not managed. Cause I know Cardiff look after him as a person, as a player per se. But the workload that he's had, you you now seeing, you know, he's not the normal Ben Bams. The Ben Bams that in Slovakia everyone 
around the world. People who know more about hockey than the four of us, including Gref, you know, they they know more than we, you know, one person on one page knows more than we put together. These are the experts, and they were raving about Ben Bounds. They were saying, what a keeper, technically solid, great, you know, great, you know, um, reactions, everything that they talk about, the very best goalers in the world, they mention about Ben Bounds. And if they say this, even as a debt miner myself, as a beer league debt miner, I say, you know what, I'm going about that. Because these are people who are respected in, in terms of uh, broadcasting world. So why are we now going, oh, well, he plays well. Oh, he's a, an unpopular opinion. He's overrated. No, rubbish. You, If you, let's put this way, if he was the, the next five games, let's say Murdy plays three of them, which I can't see happening, unfortunately. But he goes for a steal, from a Steelers perspective. He's got as, as, as decent a goalie as Murdy I, is. I, I kind of, ha- I'm flipping between both caps of the, the Steelers cap and the GB cap in that one. Um, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, let's give a breather for Lausanne. With the other one, it's like, you know what, you play. You've got, you've got a title to win for Cardiff. Um, so he's kind of a, of a bouncer. But if you, let's just say, he, he did play three of the next five games. You come to that sixth game, which I think would probably be just the one after the Challenge Cup final, if my maths is correct. You would see, regardless of what game it is, but you would see a fresher Ben Bams and the Ben Bams as aching as you what saw in, in, in Kashitsa. And I, I think, you know, this is a kid who's come through the system. He's earned his stripes. Started at the, at the Scimitars, as it were. Remember, mm-hmm. right? I think we're the Scimitars, not, it's not the Steel Dogs. Yeah. You know, went to Hull, right? I mean, that was bad went, enough. Went to Hull. To, uh, to be a star, had to earn his stripes. Got them in the playoffs, I think, once in three years he was at Hull. Superman punched Nick Rapel. Yeah, one of his highlights, right? Went to Hull, then the went highlight. to Bath. Yeah, well, yin and yang. Um, Who did he and, play uh, <laughs> um, and then went to Cardiff. He's, this, is a, this is a British goalie who's gone through the ranks and earned his spot, earned the right to be British number one, earned the right to the silver where he's won, and every club would take him. Not because he's the best British goalie, but because he's actually a damn good goalie. End of. But other goalies from other countries may be better technically because of the more training he'll, they'll have had. Because, you know, let's assume that he's from the Czech or Swedish. They have more resources than the goalies. But you look at the resources that he'll have had at his disposal for what he's done, how he's learned his trade, what he's had to work and fight for everything he's got. He's as damn good as every goalie in the league. May not be the best, for me fluctuate, but he's as damn good as the rest of the goalies in the league. And for me personally, I'd, I'd take him in a heartbeat in Sheffield. I know he wouldn't go to Sheffield, sadly, but I'd take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, no, no, go on. Um, I... I don't think he had his best tournament, and he'll know that. He'll absolutely know that. But when you look at everyone in front of him, I don't think they really helped him. I mean, at least three of the goals uh, from the whole the whole tournament were, were screened. His own players were screening him. Uh, and there's, there's no chance he'd be able to see some of them. So, you know, as, as, as Dave said, he's going to be absolutely not, so tired from everything he's had this season. Um, I, I don't understand why they didn't play Jackson for this opening game uh, after a few... My thinking, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was the one where 
I would have gone, you know what, four one. I think we was mentioning it as well. You know, four one, get whistling. Game after game break. Let him just yeah. you know chill out. Put your slippers Absolutely. on. Get, get your pipe and slippers on and just have a rest for tomorrow. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you if you could have two goalies, might as well use both of them at some point. Uh, there's no point playing your your starting net mind your best goalie for the three games. He's gonna be absolutely tired by the by the third game. So uh, I'm not understand why that was. But, in, in, um, in tournament play, mate, just so jumping back out. Yeah. If you get the opportunity to use both your goalies, use them. Yeah. Well, let's not be amount of bush as well, do you? Jackson Whistle is a very capable goalie. Exactly. It's but not like it's not like you're choosing between him and like like bounds and I don't know some second mate. rate backup. You, this is this is a guy who, to oh, be bounds fair, bounds or Billy Goalie. Yeah, not, that's your pick. It's bounds and and very good. Jackson Whistle. Well, he won silverware while he was in goal for Belfast, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Charles Cup. Yeah. Against bounds. Yeah. But yeah, that uh, baffled me. Sorry, I'll carry on. No, it's okay. Um, but but yeah, but one goalie, the who I think had a fantastic tournament, even though his, his team finished third, was Romania's uh, Polch. He had a fantastic tournament. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, our game against Romania, the the first game, GB Romania game, I, he he astounded me a little because every save he made it made it look quite a difficult save. I mean, he, he even shot from the point. He was doing the splits and then throwing the glove out, doing the windmill, having it, even after he caught the puck after five seconds. So, it, so it's a very... What aggressive... those in ball hockey were called the Brett. Yes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. It, it was very old school, weren't it? Um, it and he even brought out the, the pad stack and the poacher. He was oh, like, it. it really were just rattling through every save a goal he could make. He's, he's a very aggressive style goalkeeper, but a, a very good going on the last. I mean, with a strong achievement for him, I think he, he could have could have done even even better than he did. But now he's really good. Uh, from a GB perspective, uh, the first period against Romania, I, I don't think we got uh, we really tested him as much as, as as we could have done. But the second period, much much better. Uh, the game against Estonia, yeah, he, he, you could tell they sort of had their second team, their reserve team. Uh, during the uh, 25 hours, whatever it was. Uh, so, yeah, again, shame not to use Jackson in a situation like that. But, you know, uh, deal against that game. against like, Another Hungary game. Um, again, we just weren't getting shots off. We were trying to make the fancy plays. Once many passes, they just put a stick in the way and it was down on down our defensive end. So, yeah, just a, a few more. Even though we end up with uh, 40 shots at the end of it, we just weren't. We just didn't really test him very much, and uh, and uh, Harry as well, Jonas, Jonas Harry or something like that. Um, as some may know him, it got quite a few goals uh, in in the last World Championships. He was there again, made, made three point nine, I think. So it was really good. But one player on that GB team I was really really impressed with was Scott Conway, who before this this tournament I had never heard of before, never heard of him. And for that whole time, he had uh, two goals and an assist and played played his heart out. Really played really well and uh, deservedly got the player of the tournament for GB. And very looking forward to seeing him, hopefully, uh, in, the, in the Elite League someday. And uh, in GB for the World Championships. So a fantastic tournament from him. Um, I vaguely remember watching his dad play. Yeah. For Basingstoke. Ooh. 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, not not the best game for GBF. I, I don't think they were quite as firing as, as as what Hungary were. You know, as Dave they mentioned, they want revenge. They were more up for it. They wanted it more, and it's simple as that. Uh, refereeing wasn't great. You know, there was a board on, really really nasty board on Davies that I don't understand how it was called any day of the week. He literally will be called. Uh, be given a straight game. So yeah. Do you, do you, the officiating in that game. Of the GB hungry, which I'll say straight up was no reason why GB lost. No, not at all. But no. I, in watching GB, and many people watched on the TV when GB was in 1B, saw some absolute tripe officiating. If we've been polite, that was the worst I saw. Yeah. I'm happy for referees to allow the games to flow, but there's stuff they were missing. And we're not talking the, the, the odd slash here and there, we're talking the dangerous stuff. And, and there was a, a fair bit, and a couple on either side. It weren't just a one-way street. Mm. Although the Hungarians had the majority, the dangerous stuff that weren't called. It was as though Sunday lunch is on. I've got to get back. And and he, the, the Hungarians yeah. spotted it though, didn't they? They they they, yeah. they realised that they could get a physical edge because nothing was going to get called. Whereas we kind of very much in kind of the in a, in a very GB character. international game. Yeah, but no, but I mean, in t- I mean, you see it within our leagues now as well. It's not just it's not just as in, in an as an international team within our leagues as well. Those that those kind of games a lot of the time you, you see in teams with that potential to get a physical edge and they just kind of leave it. Um, see, I suspect had Dallas Hart been wearing his Manchester shirt in that scenario game. I think he'd have been more physical, may have thrown a bit more of a hit, may have tried to engage a bit more physical, r- roughing stuff. But in terms... knows that it, Matthew Gagnon's going to jump in and help him out. Though, well, you know... Whereas it, well, he's the big I, guy that plays... Well, the got, he, he had Robert Farmer. Um, <laughs> but no, all, all jokes aside. But they, they, Russell has that structure of we play this international game and we, we don't veer off that. And that's not a criticism. That is how he's done it. He's been successful. Um, was. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, I'll say about Estonia. They brought a load of their under twenties to the qualifiers, knowing that they weren't qualifying out of the group. They used it as an opportunity to blood them to see if they could play for seniors, if they were good enough for the world champs that they'll compete in. I think they're one B or two A. Can't remember whereabouts they are. Um, but that we we were joking. Um, even the height wise. Andy and Greff would have got into the Estonian team because it was absolutely short lads who played for him. Um, Estonia with a guy that's six foot eight. Yeah. And, and I tell you what, it was a tall team, the Romanians. Yeah. Um, managed to, by luck, be on rinkside when they were having their photo, their official photo taken. Um, and there were some tall kids on, on that roster. Yeah, I I just yeah, I I'm just baffled by the the, the officiating in, in that in that last game. I it just I it, it sums it up. I mean, I it, it was Istvan Sofron looking at the game sheet. Got a two minute penalty for charging. Um, I mean, just a joke in a number of senses. I mean, he skated up to Dallas Earhart, left his feet. And threw an elbow straight into Earhart's face. Earhart drops. Earhart gets up and goes back to the bench. And, and is clearly in some discomfort, shall we say, to say the least. 
And that's a two-minute charging penalty for leaving his feet and directing his elbow straight into his head. Even argues with referee and doesn't even get a, a misconduct. It's baffling, absolutely baffling. And this is international hockey. This is supposed. This is the. This is the type of hockey where you get a, you get into a fight. Is it a five plus game for a fight in international as well as? It's five game. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's no no two plus two. It's a straight game. It's just madness, Andy. As you say, fight. You know, what what to me was it wasn't even a what to me was a clear check from behind. What, what, what was an evident uh, check from behind? Bless you, Dave. Thank um, you. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, I was waiting for you to put your headset back on before I said it. What to me was a clear check from behind on Ben Davies just gets a blind item, and that annoys me more than the Dallas Earhart situation because they've not even acknowledged that that was a dangerous play. They've not even thought at that point this is time to rein it in. They've just thought, oh, crack on, boys. And and Hungary used it to their advantage. And the next minute, I think it was 59 minutes six seconds into the in the game the two minute charging penalty went on it's it's van sofron 52 minutes into the game goal scored for hungary by is van sofron who to my mind should have been out of that game yeah. and that's the that's the nail in the coffin 4-1 when it was 3-1 there was very much a feeling still two goals very doable you know, for what I mean, yes, yeah, there's only eight minutes left in the game, but you know, you get one goal, you, you move off that momentum, a second goal comes a lot easier. There was every chance in that game. The 4 1 was the final nail in the coffin in that game, and it was scored by a guy that shouldn't have been in the game. That's again, like Dave said, that's not me by any means saying that that game was won by the officials. GB weren't good enough in that game, there were far too many times where we were just stepping off players, we were just, we were just more than happy to let players just come through the middle. We were more than happy to just let those guys skate straight into the middle, skate straight into primary real estate and just leave them to it. And that's what cost us that game. Um, I actually thought in that game, Matt Myers deserved the player of the game as well. I thought Matt Myers had a good game in that game. but um, And I agree with you, Andy. I mean, Scott Conway was a guy that we had question marks over going into it. And I think he definitely proved his, proved his, his right to be on that team. And I think he's definitely proved his right to be on the on the squad for uh, for the World Championships as well now. Um, but yeah, disappointing for GB. Bottom line, they weren't good enough. And I actually felt bad for Bounds in that game because some of the positions that we were letting them take shots from, yeah. I mean, was, I think was it they, they had some kind of it wasn't quite a wraparound goal, but they had some resemblance of a wraparound goal where they where they came from behind the net, skated in front, and then went far post on Bounds. And they we literally just watched him. We were, we watched him skate from behind the net, round the side, straight in front, and get the shot. There wasn't even so much as a challenge. I think that was the uh, the Dallas Earhart goal that was conceded. Yeah. Where he um, he messed around in the worst place. He messed around the back of the yeah. net, behind the net. But you know, never mind. This this was four years later down to uh, qualify for the Olympics. The one player for that I feel sorry for is Jonathan Phillips. I think that was that was the one. Obviously, as you say, every four years, I'd, I would, I'd be surprised if Jonna was still playing international. I, I mean, I would be, and I wouldn't be. I would be from a statistical point of perspective of just his age now and what stage of his career he's at. From an actual point of view of how he plays, I, st- I wouldn't surprise me if he was playing for another ten years. But yeah, um, you know what I mean. I, I don't expect him to be playing international hockey in, in four years' time. So that was that was his last ditch effort to get into the playoffs. I think. 
for a 37 year old as well he was easily the fastest player on that team and every every chance he had on on the short hand we were short-handed he, he was still in the puck off him and he, he was going racing down the other end he, he's got quicker with age he's, oh, yeah. he's the, the definition of a, a fine red wine Jonathan so. Phillips is the elite league's best penalty killer yeah but one no well, shadow down his speed is deadly even on that PK the amount of times in Sheffield that we've seen that D to D pass where it's been fumbled and next minute Jonathan Phillips is a mile in front of the guy behind him breaking in on the on goal. You look at you want to look at his speed, look at the goal against the F word. In, yeah. In the, yeah. Look at that. You, yeah, but you know what? The thing about that was that it was so impressive. It was the skate was so impressive, but also the speed that he managed to get back up on his feet. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It wasn't even just like foot speed. It was just general. Just unreal. I, I genuinely is like Benjamin Button. He, he gets he gets better and better and better every year. Absolutely. But, but I but I would I would wouldn't expect him to be playing for GB in four years time. I don't. I, I would I would think and I, this is complete speculation. I'd love to see him still in a GB shirt in four years at the rate he's going at the moment. But I would suspect by that point he's he's ready to hang up the skates. But. You know, we wait and see. But yeah, no, no unlucky for GB on that one. Um, you know, we go again, as I say, positives to take out of it. Maybe not quite as uh, knackering for Ben Bounds. It's the only word that I can think of really to sum up probably how he feels at the moment. Um, but yeah. Um, well, while we're on GB qualifiers, uh, we, we, we've, we, you know, you guys... Dave, you managed to, to sort out for us to get a, a bit of a difference. We We've had... Just the one interview that we've had in the last 58 episodes which is just Aaron Murphy that we've managed to Just Aaron Murphy, that's the only one that we've cracked the ceiling. Then uh, um, we've got his work boots on, Marcel Nagin, but we weren't all just play. Um, and we managed to uh, get a few interviews which will be dropping um, throughout the episodes. Uh, one we had to delay because um, the the person who we interviewed couldn't get it to, to the ground even in, in in time due to the uh, the weather um, and we've got um, for me um, an interesting interview completely different um, but one I think everyone's going to enjoy listening to yeah I definitely think so I've, I've had a listen to this one obviously Dave you were you're the one doing the interview and I've had a listen to this one and it's, it's, it's definitely good to get it from a completely different perspective. We we put out on Twitter earlier today to say, can you guess who it is? Most people guessing who it is, I'm presuming from the evident beard that was in the picture. Yeah, um, it weren't much of a disguise. Yeah, yeah, there don't think there was really any effect that I could have put on that other than trying to edit out the beard. Um, probably, should have, he, probably, probably should have holding the Panthers Cup. Yeah, that would have been a good picture. Yeah. <laughs> but they could put the cat under the pigeons. Just give um, it away. Yeah, just a bit. So, um, well, uh, on on that note, then, on without further ado, I think we'll throw it over to the interview, Dave, uh, between yourself and Mr. Dean Woolley. So, um, for the something different for the podcast, uh, we've got a few interviews, and normally when you interview people like it's normally the players or the coaches. Not normally, the photographer. And I'm delighted to say that um, the guy behind, or one of the guys behind the lens for GB and the Steelers um, has given up his time. Dean Woolley, thank you very much for 
Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Pleasure. And so, for those who don't know you, um, and unlucky I do, given that it was your father that lent me a shirt when I first got watching the game, give us a bit of background to yourself and what got you into hockey. Uh, so it's kind of for me getting into hockey is the, the age-old story that you hear so many times with every every sort of fan out there that um, 1996, getting towards the back end of the Steelers season, one of my dad's workmates uh, had got season tickets, was going away for a few weeks and did the usual, do you want to borrow my season tickets? Um, my dad said yes, uh, we came to a game and here we are now, never looked back, absolutely loved it. I mean, that was the best, one of the best seasons to come for, the 95-96 Grand Slam season, the back end of the season when everybody was celebrating and, and, and uh, we did so well. Uh, and yes, Steelers fan ever since with my dad initially, then my mom, then my sister, then cousins, to the point now it's very much a family outing. Oh, brilliant. So, so what got you into photography then? Do you know, it's the, it's the most stupid of stories, this. I'm always one for kind of a bit of a flash-in-the-pan idea. I get a little bit of a, 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 a little bit of interest in something. I do it, and then it just seems to die a death. And literally around 2011, 2012, I think it was, uh, I was sat watching a, a, a TV advert where they were advertising a camera. I thought to myself, ooh, that, that looks interesting. That looks as though it does some interesting things. I'll give that a whirl. Bought my first entry-level DSLR and, and away it went from there. Just kind of really hooked me, really enjoyed it. Started dabbling about with all sorts of different things, landscapes, um, just every kind of photography you can think of. But it was the sports photography side that, that really hooked me. Brilliant. So, so how did you get involved with the Steelers in doing the photography for them? So at the time, um, I got to the point where I was interested enough in ice hockey to think I want to have a go at playing this. Um, and Dave, as, as you'll know, uh, me uh, and my dad sort of started knocking around rec teams to the point where my dad set up the initial Sheffield Sticks. Yep. I think it's still going now, obviously, under very much new ownership. But but the original Sheffield Sticks, if you like, my dad set up and uh, and we kind of... Uh, we're, we're just dabbling about on a Sunday night with that more and more people coming along and wanting yeah. to um, get a feel of the game and ultimately one of the guys was Rick Rayner who was the Steelers photographer at that time so I got interested in the photography reached out to Rick and said hey I'm dabbling in this sort of stuff now do you fancy having uh, me or can I come down shadow you at one game uh, he at the time was kind of on the lookout for a bit of a backup second shooter and also it, it developed where he kind of decided he, he was thinking about packing in anyway so everything all the stars aligned so to speak and it, it ended up that Rick did call it a day in that season uh, and I picked up uh, and it was Tony Smith's first season in charge so uh, one of his first recruits I guess you could say <laughs> And then things can only get better. Um, so, so I suppose one of the questions is, um, is the transition from being a fan in the stand to working on the bench. How how did that go about, and how did you cope with that kind of change? So, you know, so difficult. So I just got. 12, 13 years built into me of celebrating when the Steelers score a goal, of shouting and bawling at the referees, of shouting and bawling at opposition players. And it took me a good two, maybe three seasons to not celebrate on the bench when I'm supposed to be taking pictures. And I actually, I look back and I miss so many what would have been great photographs from my camera not being up in front of my face and me... Not celebrating as such, but being more involved in the celebrations than that. But if you, you'll kind of look down at me now and, you, and you'll look and, and something amazing will be happening on the ass and you'll look and think, wow, look how, how cool and calm, calm Dean is down there. I can't believe I'm not. 
internally there's no coolness and there's no calmness but i've now kind of managed to get myself into the habit of shoo 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 and then when everything's done have a little mini celebration to myself so great um so you've done steals for a few years and then you got involved with the gb programs how did that go about uh, so interesting story um i'm very lucky to have uh, a good few cheerleaders in 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 from a british high hockey point of view in high places um seth bennett dave sims in particular uh, i mean simsy obviously right at the top of the shop from the point of view of, of of being my best cheerleader contrary to what twitter might suggest over the last few days after but yes uh, and uh, the chap who's kind of sat across from me who you're going to be talking to shortly chris um was and is in involved as the as the head honcho media wise with GB Ice Hockey. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that um, I guess Seth, uh, Simsy and, and Chris have been talking about uh, a little bit of a change for a little while, maybe looking at doing more social media, getting more work done uh, online during games. And ultimately, I think the, the whole direction of the way Chris wanted to take uh, the media with Ice Hockey UK combined with, with, with kind of other people, look, I'm looking enough to say singing my praises, sort of got me the gig. Brilliant. So when, when you're working uh, a game, what are you kind of looking for in a photo to kind of be the one that goes, I'm going to share this with, with all the fans? What, what's the type of, of image that you go, that's really good, that's you've nailed it, and putting it out on, on social media or, or any other platforms? Yeah. It's the story. It's the story of the game that's the most important. So there are so many images that I'll put out on social media that aren't necessarily keepers, a proper full-time pro photographers will talk about their keepers and they're the ones that they look at photo as and think, wow, that, that's fantastic, I love it. It's not with sports photography, especially the live tweeting element of sports, uh, sports photography. It's not necessarily about having keepers. It's about having the pictures that tell the story of the game, the goals, the big hits, the fights, the celebrations. Uh, so during the game and very quickly after, those are the ones that I'm looking for. When it comes to a stock of photos for the various clubs to use to be able to draw for posters and things like that, then I am looking for those keepers. I'm looking for the ones that I'm thinking, do you know what, they could blow that up to A0 and it'd still look fantastic. So a couple of different reasons for choosing the pictures that vary quite significantly between the action of the game, the story of the game, and then the, the real good quality stuff to use in, in publications and media. Okay, um, and I suppose kind of along that, does it have you found it could be a balance to, to kind of you're looking for that photo either the keeper or the story and potentially actually getting involved because you're looking for that photo does it, you, you find that sometimes that you could be like where you where you take the photo like oh i'm maybe a bit too involved with what the place happening is that have you ever had that before uh, in the early days yeah in the early days it was really tough to try and i mean, I mean with you and i'm sure all your listeners will know just what I mean by how fast moving the sport is even in the early days when it maybe wasn't as fast it was still quick I really struggled to kind of work out what I was doing how I was doing it why I was doing it what I was trying to kind of get from it and that's where Simsy came in Simsy's guidance if you like Simsy's steer on on what he needs what the club needs why they need it really helped me understand kind of what to do and how to how to approach the photography both for the Steelers and then and then even beyond with with event photography and things like that that I'm doing sports are sports people want to understand the story and if you can tell that through pictures then you've nailed it so I suppose a different angle of the question in terms of sort of using the digital and digital type of um, cameras and what, what, what's the for anybody who's like kind of thinking I wouldn't mind being the next Dean Willie son that, that type of thing what's the best for to use in, in sporting photography 
you'll, you'll get varied opinions on this depending on who you speak to. But for me, um, in this field of photography that I'm working in, it's less about my preference and more about what the world is expecting. You cannot get a picture on Twitter five minutes after the end of a period when you're taking a non-digital photograph that you've got to get printed in a dark room or, or through or, or processed in, in whichever way it needs to be. So for me personally, in my field of photography, there is no question that digital is the absolute best and only way to be able to do it. You layer onto that then the fact that you're not restricted in how many photos you take when it's digital. You're not worried about the fact that you've got 1,500 pictures that you've got to process to pick out the best that you've got and it's digital all the way. The flip side of that, of course, is people who are doing very different events, maybe some landscape photography and things like that. You get some real classy, superb looking effects with non-digital and film photography that they will absolutely abide and swear by. But for me, in this field of photography, there is no question it's digital. OK, so for any aspiring photographers, what advice would you give them? Get out there. You're not going to earn any money straight away. That's that. That's straight. The first thing that you need to be thinking about is I need to build my profile. I need to build my portfolio. You've got to get out there and photograph as many things as you can. Sports, non-sports, um, corporate photography, anything like that. Whatever they can get their hands into. And, and the, the, there are so many local or non-profit businesses and organisations and sports clubs that will, will, will kind of really snatch your hand off just to get any kind of photography that you can get in there. And email people, phone people, turn up at events, turn up to venues. But if you do that, a real bugbear of mine, introduce yourself to any official photographers that are there. There is nothing worse when you're an official photographer to see one, two, three other photographers sometimes loitering about, sometimes getting in your way that haven't introduced herself. Maybe, maybe I'm a bit harsh, maybe it's just kind of the way that, 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 that I approach things, but go and introduce yourself and let them know what you're doing and why you're here, and inevitably then they'll end up helping you and giving you a bit of guidance. Ah, superb. And, and the last question, um, what's the one photo that when you've taken an album, as you mentioned, the story or the keeper, what's the one that you've gone, you were really pleased you caught that moment? Okay. Can I give you one from Domestic Steelers and one from International Go for it, TV? Yeah. Okay. So the Steelers won the Levi Nelson goal playoffs 2016, was it? I always 17. get this year wrong, 2016, 17. The, the one that won it in yeah. overtime against Cardiff. Um, people still talk about that moment two or three years later. They will continue to talk about that moment for probably five, 10, 15 years. It'll probably be... For me, it's probably the biggest moment since I've been watching the Steelers that I've been a part of as a fan in, in an official capacity, no matter what. And I hope that they're going to be continuing to talk about that for a long, long time. To get that picture nailed just after Levi took the shot as that puck was hitting the top corner of the net in the way that it was, in the way that I managed to frame it, unbelievable, unbelievable moment. I, I can remember uh, kind of as I'd, I'd got all the celebration shots and there was a bit of a lull and I was looking back and seeing that one on the back of the camera, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up because I knew that that was one. A very close second is the split second after the goal, of course, when Levi jumped up on the plexi and Dowdy was with him. Uh, but I, for me, it doesn't get better than, than that one uh, from a Steelers domestic point of view. From a GB perspective, um, after the last game that guaranteed us the gold medal and promotion to 1A, so we're over in Belfast yeah. now, Russ Cowley jumping into Ben Bounds' arms and the elation on his face. Obviously, what I didn't know at that time is that Russ was going to retire after that tournament. That was his last one. He was retiring on a gold medal. Um, and 
that was that kick-started everything for the coming two or three years. Yeah. Then we went on the year after one goal promotion to one uh, to um, Pool A, and then wow, last year France. I, I don't need to say, but no. but for me that so that's not an action picture. It's not a goal picture. That's all about the emotion of the event and the player and what it kicked us off to doing for the next couple of years. Uh, that for me at the minute is um, is the is the GB one. Again, there's so many. Uh, the, the the other ones that I like are the pictures, the line up on the blue lines with all the flags in there. Uh, but can't get past the emotion of Russ and Bouncy on that one. Just even thinking about it, the hairs on the back of my head. Oh, idea. unreal. Um, so Dean, thank you very much for your time. Um, and you know, I've enjoyed this, and I hope the listeners enjoy the, the different aspects of the game and understanding um, as we said at the beginning you know, we'd always do the coach different but the actual photography side of things it's uh, thank you for your time you're welcome thanks for having me so back from that interview uh, and a big thank you to Dean Woolley um, for agreeing to speak to Dave for that long because we know that that can be a bit of a chore at times jokes sorry Dave um, <laughs> I spend three hours a week talking to your guys how do you think I feel yeah, it's true. That's true. Yes. Can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, and the timings as well. One o'clock in the morning. What's that all about? Yeah. And that's early. Um, yeah. Um, only got a few things left on the agenda. Um, might actually keep it under the two and a half hour mark this week, which is always a positive. Um, the next thing we touched on in the last episode, I think, uh, in, in relation to maybe a bit of a downfall, um, a little bit of a shortcoming from of Dops uh, in relation to the hit from Massi Mariamaki on was it Goodwin? I think it yes. was. Um, just thought we'd reintroduce that topic briefly, um, or as briefly as we can, uh, because there has been a significant amount of backlash over social media. Um, I think we can now safely say that there's going to be no action from Dops. Um, the two things in particular that I've seen, there's been. Um, Dr. Victoria Silverwood has gone out in the press, um, or there, there is a, uh, an article in British Ice Hockey uh, in which she's given her opinion on it. She said, like many people, I didn't see the game live, so can only comment on the video footage I've seen since the event. Seeing the incident as part of a whole game may change how it appears somewhat, but it certainly looks like something I would expect Dops to investigate. I did a bit of research into the background of it and saw it was punished in the game by the referee and also knew it would be looked at by Dops due to the penalty given. For me, it didn't look like the hit was intentionally aimed at the head, but it did connect with the head. And for me, those penalties always need specific investigation. <coughs> I think ultimately hit the nail on the head. Um, I, this is, do you know what the daft thing with this is? I wouldn't have expected a serious... Um, seriously long ban I don't I don't know what you guys think feel like at this point feel free to chime in on this I, I wouldn't ex, when I when we're saying we expect a ban I'd be saying one two game ban something along those lines I wouldn't be saying pushing up to three four games but it's just the fact that nothing's been done and it, I just find that baffling so when we um, did the recording for the last podcast it was just breaking um, uh, all the news was just come filtering out that there was no suspension and that you may be able to have told with uh, some of the reactions from from all four of us um, I've spoken to to many Belfast fans about it I've spoken to many Cardiff fans about it and it's for me I'm still I'm still baffled 
I've had the logic of the no suspension given to me from both sides. But I throw in the consistency, consistency level, sorry, from DOPS on how they have um, looked at this. Um, now, yeah, he went injured. He was um, allegedly, apparently he was, he was, he was fine afterwards. There was no concussion. He was injured, but it wasn't a concussion. Because it was, it was an upper body, but it wasn't. It was, to, yeah, it was an upper body injury. But it wasn't due to the. Sorry, when I said not injured, it wasn't the injury. It wasn't a head, head injury. Hit. Yeah, it was something else. So um, when you when you look at it from the balance of that, you can see why they may have gone. Actually, the five game at the time was actually appropriate. Particularly with the shoulder injury and no head injury as well. Yeah. It would potentially point to it being shoulder contact rather than head. But It does. I mean, as I said, the only view that we had suggested it, were, it was a head injury. So it was a head shot per se. Now, what we don't know is the additional views that the league had. Also, the additional views that was showed to the other leagues that were asked for their opinion. Um, which I'm interested. I'm going to suspect the EBL's one because um, I know they do a lot of info share between the two. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Czech League was also the same because of the same sources of information that they all kind of the situation rooms and how it's all done stem from um, the same kind of people. So I wouldn't be surprised. If, I'm guessing here. So this is through no knowledge at all. Um, and a couple of links within the DEL and DEL2 the, as well. There's links, yeah. So there are tenuous connections between many leagues, so you could argue that it is different ones. Um, I'll be honest, I think the, the tagging of the NHL and NHL organisations and like uh, Spitting Chicklets and other uh, high-profile podcasts... I didn't agree with it when the, the Belfast fans did this with Galakos, with uh, Freta. I don't agree with it now. They can say that it's, well, we have to protest, we have to show that the wrong's been done. I, I, I think it's wrong. I'll say it like this, and I'll use Sheffield as an example, and I'll use one man as an example. If Dave Sims was to then go, right, something's happened, hypotheticals, Sheffield players been involved and it was against um, let's say Cardiff just for example not because Cardiff were involved in the scenario and then Dave Sims got the video got it clipped and started tagging other people other organisations other leagues and said what do you think do you think this should be you know what would you reckon to this what would be their reaction i tell you what their reaction would be you're embarrassing you're disgraceful the league and of that ilk in nature and everyone knows that would be the case whether you thought the hit was fine or bad you know that'll be the case. So for me, on a well, everyone's equal in that respect. If it would be disgraceful for one person, and history suggests that that's what people would say, it's the same for others to do the same. And I, I just think you could argue that they're trying to push something. I don't know. In doing that, the, the volume of it. Um, I just, I just, don't, I don't think it's the right way to do things. Don't know what your guys think. It doesn't sit well with me. I have to admit. I mean, 
fair play to the fair play to the Giants fans coming behind the team, standing up for their players. You know that that side of things, fair play. You know you can't fault the support that the Belfast fans show to their team and show to their fan like to their players. Really, really can't fault that at all. And 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 you know that is that's the positive that I would take out of it. It doesn't sit well with me from an image perspective of the professionalism of the league. And bear with when I say that, because I appreciate that the professionalism of the league is coming into question with the fact that they're not taking action on this hit. Now, the first thing is the professionalism of the league is coming into question because they're not giving the transparency on what has gone on in this, in this respect. They're not showing the alternate footage. Now, with all the backlash, if the alternate footage shows no head contact, that's got a bigger question as to why is that alternate footage not then being shown? Because surely when they're getting that much backlash, the logical option would be then to say, here's the footage. This is what we've made the decision on. It's clear or it at least shows that there's no head contact or that it's shoulder contact. There you go. If it's evident in that footage, why not release that footage? So I get that the, the professional of the... The professionalism of the league, not an easy thing to say at half one in the morning or one in the morning. Um, I get that the professionalism of the league is in just in that instance alone is in question anyway. However, I don't think anybody can fault the steps forward as a league that we've taken in terms of increasing profile, in, in terms of an increase in professionalism. And look at the players that we're now attracting to our league in comparison to five, ten years ago. It, it's there's no comparison so then going out on social media and tagging high profile people nhl george paros spitting chicklets that kind of thing all that is doing is then spreading a negative image of our league across social media let's say paul bissonette then picks that up and decides to jump on a bandwagon of Haha, look at this, the elite league that I used to play in, and look at what they've come to now this is ridiculous you know all it needs is for that bit of bad press from them Yes, we might get what we want. But the thing is, if the Elite League, for a second time in a row, let a fan base dictate on the decisions that they're making, is that not an unprofessional thing to do? Does that not in itself point to the league being more, more amateur than they're aiming for? I, I just, it just doesn't sit well with me. I just think, I think it's, it's mad that there's no ban. It's mad from a transparency perspective that nothing's been released and that we've not had the evidence to show that there was no ban warranted. But it's just something that I think we've just got to let sit. At the end of the day, they've made their decision. I think it's daft, it's ridiculous. Some of the people, I mean, the Steelers fan base, I've seen it a lot suggesting oh there's you know this links between Mike Hicks and Cardiff and it's evident that they're trying to cheat to fix the league for Cardiff a load of rubbish if Cardiff win the league this year Cardiff will win the league for the same reasons that they've won the league the last in the previous times because they're the best team in the league simple as that job done end of story yeah and yes I think the decision's daft but I just think the tweeting is just it, I think you, I just think it's counterproductive. That's the that's the key thing. Yeah, I I definitely don't, just don't understand it. I, I don't think there's any positive that will come from it. You know, it's it's not going to change anything. It's it's not going to change Doc's minds or anyone else's. Like Joe said, that we get little exposure of the elite league in in in, in our in our own country and never mind everyone else in the world in in the world. So obviously, pretty much everybody about the elite league that has been 
picked up elsewhere has been negative. And all that's going to do is it's going to contribute to ne- negativity. And, you know, like you all said, we've done well to bring in the players we have over the past few years. But if they see this, are they really going to want to come into the league? I've, I've seen that. I, 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 again, with the incident itself, as far as I know, in Belfast, there is only that one uh, broadcast camera angle, and then that was the one that Reaper was showing. I think it's the same for uh, a lot of teams in the league. I think they can only have really one sort of broadcast ca- camera angle anyway. So, yeah, I, I, I don't get why it wasn't at least one game. That's what I don't understand, because even though the Ben O'Connor and, and the Sam Jones and uh, Matthew Toussignor were similar uh, in terms of the uh, you know, the contact was to the head area, with this one, this was a player that was travelling at speed. The player, Mario Mackey, was travelling at speed when he made contact with uh, Goodwin's head. And you also think, well, if that was to be an open ice, do you think the decision would have changed? Because if, when you look at it, I think it's far more dangerous for it to happen but it's against the boards, then in with the ice, because you've also got the initial contact of the head, and then uh, the backlash from the head hit, hitting the board and the glass. So, I don't understand how that sort of comes across to them as, as to what difference maker was. Yeah, okay, maybe he didn't mean to do it, but it, it was still it was still contact. And even if Dobbs weren't to make a decision, I think they should have uh, explained why. Because, and I think they should do it with every... Uh, five plus game misconducts in for for his head and things like that. So yeah, like Joe said, they've got to be more transparent. If they're saying it's not a ban, explain why because you know you've got all these fans thinking, well, we saw that and you know it, it doesn't matter if we were a supporter of this team or not. You know, it could be any, any team or any, any team's fans thinking the same thing. Well, explain why it wasn't. Then you wouldn't be having all this backlash. Uh, that's all I can really say, it? Okay, I'll just say this before we carry on. I mean, I've got, as usual, I've got an NHL game on while we're recording, and I've just seen the, th- the first time that I've seen this in a very, very long time is two guys square up and drop their gloves on the centre face off. Literally just sort it out, skated up to each other, puck drops, gloves gone, there we go, bang. Love that. I love how, I love the, the, the game seems to be moving a bit more old school again at the minute. I love that. Um, I don't know. I, the other thing that gets me is the amount of backlash from this hit, and I think I think the thing is, I mean, Michael Davies tweeted to say, um, you know, it's textbook, it's the kind of video that you've shown to demonstrate to you what a head hit is. I, I don't disagree with that at all. But I, I mean, what honest honest question to you two now? What ban? Your your dops. You've reviewed this. You've determined this head contact. What ban are you giving that hit? If you are determining that there is head contact and that was the primary um, point of contact, you probably got two, maybe three. I don't know. It's... If, if I was to put a number on, I'd probably be looking at ballpark figure. Yeah. But it's... Yeah. I'd say three maximum. I don't know. I say I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. Dave, you just said you just said two or three. Andy, I don't, I don't know what you think, mate. I'd say three max as well. I mean, it, you look at 
other incidents around the league, you've got to keep it consistent. It, it, even, like I said, it was a plate speed, unlike the other two incidents with O'Connor and, and Jones, but you've at least got to have that same consistency. Yeah. I, I think that's, what, that's what they're missing. I, I kind of agree with with the article that, that in British Ice Hockey, as I say, with Victoria Silver. I mean, she says there's no intention for the head hit. I just, I, I don't think it's any dissimilar to just a standard hit on the boards that's been mistimed. I don't, there's no trajectory directly to the head. I don't think he's gone into that hit going, I'm going to take his head. I think the other thing to take into account is he's a repeat offender because he got a two-match ban for slew footing earlier on in the season. Um, but ultimately, I, I think maximum maximum game should be three. And I just think the backlash in relation to that is just a bit disproportionate. You know, the, the Fretter and Galakas backlash, I, I understood that, that was, we were talking a significant number of games for both parties and, and things like Galakas getting more more games for kicking to protect himself than Fretter got for throwing a guy to the ice, taking a run at him and, and so on and so forth. So I, I understood the backlash more it just seems a bit, and this isn't just the Giants fans, this is just the general backlash over Twitter. It just seems considerably more disproportionate. If I mean, when you're, when you're sitting there thinking I'd give this two or three games, and the backlash is just mad. It's two or three games. It's not, it's not going to change the world. Realistically, is that going to change the season? Is that going to win the Cardiff Devils a title? Probably not. It's one player for two or three games. So I don't know. As you say, it's not a dig at the Giants fans. I think the passion that the Giants fans show for their team and for their players is certainly, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think it's unparalleled in the league. I don't, I don't think I've seen any. There's no other fan base that have come together in support of their team in this kind of instance. I just don't necessarily agree with the way that it's been conducted over Twitter. But there are so many things this season that we've said we're not happy about over Twitter, and that's across multiple fan bases. So yeah, you know, it's, it's different strokes for different folks, in it, I guess. But, that's the one. Um, we we happy with drawing a line on the Mario Mackey hit and not talking about it ever again unless Dop suddenly does some significant U-turn in three months' time. Move on. So, sound moving on. Um, Andy, I'll throw this one over to you because you wanted to add Brendan Pellini onto the agenda. Yeah, I did. Uh, just a shout out to Brendan Pellini of the Detroit Red Wings, who is uh, the brother of uh, a certain Brett Pellini, who I'm sure everyone will know, plays for Nottingham Panthers, played for GB. Um, also has uh, a GB passport, uh, played put over here for a bit in, in his junior time. Uh, he took a skate to the face, really nasty uh, sort of cut. Luckily, uh, it wasn't his eye. It, it was just below, but very close to it, so uh, very lucky escape there, but obviously best wishes to to Brendan and obviously back on the ice soon. Yeah, indeed, the best wishes. Uh, played for Canada under twenties, um, so he's uh, definitely up there in terms of uh, the uh, bragging rights in, in the family. Uh, but yeah, you, you never you never want to see a player with a blade to the face. Um, so the best wishes. Yeah, speedy recovery. Yeah, blade to the faces are always scary. I mean, uh, y- your head instantly goes back to someone like Clint Malachuk and that type of incident. But then, I mean, Craig Peacock got a got a skate to the face uh, a few years ago years when he was yeah. yeah when he was playing yeah. for Belfast. Uh, Drew Miller, when he was playing for Detroit, took a skate over the eye 
Um, luckily, the blade didn't touch his eye, but he's got a nice. He had a nice scar on either side of his eye um, from that. It, it's horrendous. It, it, it highlights to you the danger of this sport, even on a relatively low level. I mean, all it really takes is for a player to go down awkwardly and the skate to come up, and that's it. It's, you know, you take the hitting, you take the fighting, and everything else out. It still shows you what, for once of a better word, a cutthroat sport it is. You know, it, all it takes is one awkward fall. It's, it's, it's mad. Yeah. It's, it's certainly so, quite sobering when you play as well. I don't know what you guys think. It was the same as the um, Milton Keynes, was it Milton Keynes Thunder guy who ended up pretty yeah. much losing vision in one eye? I mean, it's such an easy thing that can happen in any game. Well, it's, so, it's very sobering for a player. Seriously, when you mentioned the goalie who, who lost a yeah. significant amount of blood and as, as, as a goalie who plays ice, it's, it's always one thing that's always just in the back of your mind. When, especially when you look down to make a save and you're facing the ice, there is that thought of, you know, is someone going to crash down and lose the, the footing? Are you that next one? Yes, it's very sobering, like you say. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, while we're on that thought, I mean, we'll we'll mention this just from a perspective of our our, our well wishes from the from the podcast. Um, and another sobering thought as well. I mean, Jay Bowmeister playing for the, the St. Louis Blues the other day um, collapsed, keeled over on the on the bench um, in the St. Louis versus Anaheim game. The game ended up getting postponed for a, med- a medical emergency. He ended up getting stretched off the bench um, after cardiac problems. From what I've read, the reports are good now in terms of his recovery he seems to be doing okay they're doing some tests and things like that but by all accounts he seems to be making a recovery of sorts so that you know that's that's very much a positive but i think despite the fact that it's never going to make its way over to st louis i think i you know from from everybody on the podcast i think which you know we all we can say on that front is you know how well which is to jay and his family and his teammates you know you could see the state that some of those guys were in on you know after after seeing that happen I'll say one thing um, in respect of a, a praise to the St. Louis and the Anaheim medical teams um, who on the scene straight away um, to help Bermista, um, yeah, uh, in, in to be to get, make him as comfortable as possible. So we all, I, 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 you speak for us all, but also praise to the the medical teams for their uh, sharpness and alertness, um, and they've probably done a lot for. Um, the future health of Bomista. Yeah, it's just really sad to hear. Uh, it's good to know that that he's that he seems okay. You know, it's never a nice thing, and he's been a very much a roller coaster season for him. I mean, coming from being a Stanley Cup champion um, last last June, it's now been Dan Clark's on the bench. He's definitely uh, a, you know it, it is really sad, especially for a veteran like Bomista. He's 36 years old and he's been in the NHL for about 18 years now. So this is 1,241st game. Yeah, he, he's a big vet, very well respected. And what I like as well is that you know, like they said, the everyone, everyone in St. Louis did a fantastic job to make sure he was all right. He was taken off quickly and attended to. But uh, when they do start the game, oh, when we do reschedule the game, sorry, um, even if Bowmeister isn't. Playing that game, they are going to keep the score as 1-1, and they are going to keep the uh, shot chart coming over from that game as well for the next game. So. I think they're ready. They're going to play the full 60 minutes, but like you say, it's, it's literally starting at one all. So, yeah, and, yeah that, I, I like that. 
And yeah. Jay will still have his six minutes and 37 seconds of ice time on yeah. that sheet. So, that, that is good, though. Yeah, very, very good. Very, very good. Yeah, very, again, another, another sobering thing to see. And it's it's really, really horrible to see. And so, all we can say is, you know, we wish him well. Um, And, yeah, that, as you guys have said, fair play to, to the Ducks medical staff and to everybody involved with players and everything like that. I mean, I th- from what I read, the team doctors were with him within... 30 seconds to a minute of him hitting the floor. I mean, that is, that is impressive and that makes a difference. That's impressive when the when your circumstances in terms of your layout of what you're working with is straightforward, so it's a straight A to Z to the person. Yeah. When you then consider there's, there's hockey benches and people and equipment around, you throw that into the mix, that's even more than impressive. That is people yeah. at the top of their game. Um, you know, well, both um, both Blues and Ducks players were lifting the bench out of the way to give them space as well. Yeah. No, no, they no, literally no. lifted the bench yeah, out of the way. You kind of want to say congratulations, but it's not congratulations, but it just shows they're the top, you know, they've got the best people and they've showed why they're the best people. So, and, and fair play to the the Blues and the Ducks, because uh, I think they say they're both involved in moving and shifting the benches. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, it's, it's a sad, sad story. Um, good that he was reacting with his eyes as well yeah. um, at yes. the arena. So the signs were good. And again, like we've already said, speedy recovery. Yeah, definitely on that one. Definitely. Um, we'll move back to domestic. Then we'll, we'll, we'll move to wrap up. I think the, uh, the episode uh, I've got predictions written down next. Let's anybody, anybody got anything else to add before we go to predictions? No. S- seem to vaguely remember. Oh, I, Andy, you mentioned about the Celine sisters, their brothers. <laughs> that's just killed the mood, hasn't it? Was that a happy accident or? Uh, that was a sorry, not sorry moment. <laughs> um, sh- sh- should I go ahead with that now? Or? Yeah. yeah, go for it now. Go for it now. Yeah. Uh, Presumably, it's not your Stafford story, Sarah. As long as, no, as long as we're not, not robbing everybody of a Stafford not. story. <laughs> um, yeah, just a big congratulations and. Uh, again keeping the NHL to uh, Henrik and uh, Daniel Sedin who had their jerseys retired by the Vancouver Canucks organisation uh, last night or the night before last night no, before it was the last 40 hours yeah but yeah just what an achievement the, the first identical twins I think to play for the same team throughout their career uh, they were starting in Vancouver from 2000 and uh, played until 2018 uh, both between them. Uh, let's just go on the stats for a second. In 1,330 games for Henrik Sedin, just try and find it again. He has 1,070 points in 1,330 games. And Daniel Sedin, uh, let's bring my page a little bit up. He has 1,306 games and 1,041 points. So even for identical twins, you know, they've got very, very similar amount of points together, and it just shows you the uh, just the caliber of players that that that, that there were, and uh, everyone knows who they are because everyone pretty much grew up with Zadine's playing in the NHL, playing them on the video game, watching them on uh, on Gaming Center and things like that. So uh, just what a career from from them too, and. Uh, you know, which is just fanta- fantastic. So massive congratulations to them, and uh, hopefully they'll be uh, 
uh, some more some more twins uh, on the same team coming through in the NHL or any league It'd be great to see again there's, there's no finer honour that you can give to a hockey player than to retire the shirt to have been able to do it and also have that retired with your brother that must be pretty cool um, and yeah we, we joke about them um, but stellar careers um, I remember they were pretty active in the, the Stanley Cup run when they lost in the final to Boston. <clears throat> great, great hockey players. Um, you know, kind of the forefront for the Swedish players um, to really make the big difference. Um, so, congratulations, guys. Um, and I, I did see one advert where I think it was Pepsi or something like that where they um, they really made a massive thing about it. Um, but also, you could have bought on that night is Budweiser cans from the arena decked in the retired uh, banner, but that in the design of a cup. So that'll be interesting to keep. Um, but yeah, congratulations. It was great as well. Sorry, sorry. Uh, just adding to that, it was great as well of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks to have their, the 22 and 33 on the side of their helmets. Yes, it did, yeah. Great, that was a great tribute to them, so... And I think it was also another great tribute that they um, helped uh, the, the Canucks go to a 49-shot shutout. So, uh, which goalie was that, Markstrom? Yeah. Markstrom got a 49-shot shutout. Yeah. Were they all shooting from the halfway line? I don't know. <laughs> Every dog has its day, mate. To be yeah, true. True. To be fair, I mean, get, getting your jersey retired for the Vancouver Canucks of modern day is like winning pupil of the week when you're being homeschooled, isn't it? Like, it's not really, it's not really much competition. Someone's not a fan, are they? <laughs> I have to say, different Ben's benefit, mate. I don't. Yeah, I would be nice for once. You know, I'll have plenty of opportunity to, uh, you know, throw the digs in at him this weekend. That's very true. It's very true. And by the way, Ben, don't swear at your radio like that. It's not anything wrong. Um. Yeah, it just, to be fair, I mean, we joke and, you know, combined, you combine the, the points that those two scored and Vancouver actually only had five extra points across the rest of the team. So, um, no, no, joking aside, no, they were two iconic players. You look at, you look at the iconic players around that time, I don't think realistically, you're probably talking, you know, Ovechkin, who's on pace to, to beat Gretzky's scoring record at the moment, Sidney Crosby, who to me, is the best all-round player that we've had in, well, since Gretzky. I, I think, I, you know, you look at everything that he brings to the game. Um, Malkin, I'm not I'm not just throwing two Penguins players in there just, just for that. But David, as, as a more recent one, but, you know, there's not really, other than these kind of four or five, six players, Joe Thornton maybe, Henrik Lundqvist maybe, but there's not really that many more players more iconic of that era than Henrik and Daniel Sedin. Yeah. You know, and uh, the journey that those two, as tween, as twins, the journey that they took together to be so similar in terms of play, in terms of points, to end up on the same team, you know, all that, the whole shebang, it, it's, it's quite, it's quite baffling to see, actually, the parallels between the two players. But, yes, um, yeah, no, nice, nice one to lead on to predictions from. So, yeah, uh, unless again, if, unless anybody has anything else to add, I think we're on to predictions. Dave, I meant to ask you this before we started, but can you? Mind I've, if... I've already got it prepped. 
thanking you. Um, do you have any idea what the scores were last week? Uh, no. I know. I know that Andy came bottom in the GB in the Olympic qualifiers mm-hmm. one because I believe Andy was the only one that had any different. Yes, he was one who said Estonia Stone, was going to win. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you finished uh, last, and everyone else finished joint yeah. first. That's fine. If I knew um, they're going to be the reserve team, are they going the other way? But uh, yeah, yeah, you say that now. You say that now. True story. Um, <laughs> true story. Um, sound right. Well, I just get the games up. Let's have a look. So, Friday the fourteenth, Valentine's Day game between Nottingham and Fife in Nottingham. Um, what order are we going? Are we going Andy, Dave, and me? Yeah. So. Quick out of the gates on that one, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Five tanking, so you know. Uh, Nottingham as well. Uh, yeah, Nottingham for me as well. Hold on, should we get Gref's up as well? Gref, Gref has actually sent us his prediction, so I'll read his out as well as we're going through. Uh, so Gref has said Nottingham, surprise, surprise. Um. Then we move to Saturday the 15th. We've got Steelers v Dundee in Sheffield. Uh, Steelers. Steelers. Uh, Steelers for me and Steelers for Gref as well. Uh, we've got Glasgow, Guildford in Glasgow. Guildford. Glasgow. I'm going to say Guildford. And Gref is also going to say Guildford. Uh, we've got Cardiff, Coventry in Cardiff. Cardiff. See, I think Coventry's going to win. They've had their number at the, at the Ice Arena Wheels, or the Viola Arena. So I'm going Cardiff. So you're going Cardiff? No, Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> it's half one. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. You just want to... Put, put Coviff so you can Coviff <laughs> sounds like a Donald Trump tweet that um, Cardentry <laughs> so for clarification Coventry Cardentry Blevels <laughs> um, I don't know no I can't I've got to say Cardiff got to say Cardiff Gref says Cardiff as well on that one and then we've got Belfast, Manchester in Belfast. 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 Can anybody guess what Gref said? Belfast. He's got yeah, yeah. it home. Yeah, has actually said Belfast on that one. Hey. Yeah. Uh, then Sunday the 16th, um, we've got Nottingham, Belfast in Nottingham. Oh. Uh, I'm in Nottingham. Belfast. I think Nottingham. And Gref thinks Belfast. Um, Coventry, Glasgow in Coventry. 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 And Coventry for Gref as well. Uh, we've got Fife, Sheffield in Fife. Sheffield. Sheffield. And Sheffield for me and Gref as well on that one. Guildford, Cardiff in Guildford. Since Guildford turned us over, 
But it's a guy up, up in the concern card. If I was, I'm going to go Guildford. So do I. I think Guildford. So do I. I'm going to say Guildford as well. And Gref is going to say Cardiff. Um, we've also got, I don't actually have Gref's predictions for these three. We've also got three games next Wednesday. Um, so I think add those in as we usually do. Yeah. yeah. Morning. So we've got Glasgow, Nottingham in Glasgow. Nottingham. Uh, Nottingham. Nottingham for me as well. I think you could probably make a pretty safe educator guess that Gref would probably also be saying Nottingham on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cardiff, Fife in Cardiff. 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 Cardiff for me. And I'm pretty sure again that we'd be hearing Gref say Cardiff. Oh, yeah. I think we definitely know where he's going to go with that one. Uh, and then Guildford, Belfast in Guildford. Belfast. Guildford. I'm saying Belfast. And I have no idea what Griffith said on that one. Just put, put Belfast. Oh, <laughs> Where did the... It's <laughs> <laughs> Just Belfast. It's contagious. Guildford. Do you mean Belford? Belford, yeah. <laughs> or Guildfast. <laughs> Guildfast Flyants. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, yeah, that that, that brings uh, that brings predictions to an end for this week. Um and that leads us on to the most anticipated part of every podcast. Uh Andy. And it's just it's like the old through the keyhole instead of it, instead of being David, it's Andy. It's over to you. I've got a good one from the weekend. So, breathe uh, a sigh of relief straight away. <laughs> That's miraculously on the day such that I went on. <laughs> so, uh, me, uh, my mum, uh, Sharon, Dave, and Graf, uh, we were heading to uh, town. Dave's face a picture right now. Such a we're picture. Heading, we're heading to town uh, on a Sunday uh, at the uh, well, uh, just before Storm Kiara hit, and uh, it was, it was, it's quite windy where where we were. Uh, so obviously we we crossed the road, uh, and then uh, a massive uh, bit of wind came up, and it, it, it literally blew Dave's hat off. And, Genuinely uh, thought you were going to say it blew, no. blew Dave's skirt up. <laughs> that's next week's. And, yeah, it is. That, that, that's Dom Dennis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, luckily the lights were still red uh, for the cars on, on, on the side we just passed and that the hat just landed right in the middle of the road. So I'm thinking, well, I've not got much time here ever to try and, to try and retrieve it. Um, so I've got to try and retrieve it. And uh, I uh, slip, but luckily, luckily I don't fall. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to grab the hat, grabbed it out of the way, ran out of the way just in time before, uh, before I went the green light. So it's quite a funny moment, everyone laughing in the cars, and yeah, it, it was fun. Made even better that I had my hat on and the hood of the hoodie up and the cap still 
left and went on the road. Do you know and what I love about that the most? And a thank you of, uh, to Andy for doing that. Well, that's, that's exactly awesome. what I was just going to say. I love the fact that it wasn't Dave's reactions were, I've got to retrieve my heart. It was like Andy just became this local was, fireman I was, I was hero like, of re- was, rescuing what, cats from trees and hats from roads. What the hell just happened here? <laughs> what, how the hell has this happened? My hat, look, I had the hood up, so it should be covering the hat. Well, what the hell's gone off here? Next thing, off. There he goes. Don't lie, Dave. You were just stood there wondering why your head had gone cold. No, I legitimately just... What has, what has just gone off here? Because, like I say, we, all the layers were on there. I won't take a risk, but still, this hat comes off. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I was just cagey as to where he was going when he said the weekend. Um, because your, of, your face was a picture while you were trying to work, trying out, to work out what it was. <laughs> I know he went there Thursday night, so it's fine. It's safe. Brilliant. Well, I'm Thursday night. Please tell. Wow. And now we're over to Grant's gossip. What happens? Nottingham stays in Nottingham. Nah. I'm sure there's a joke in there somewhere, but we're going to leave it at that. So, <laughs> um, I'm I'm sure we might even have a um, we might even end up with an F4s based Stafford story. Um, Could be next week. Next week. There'll be some. I'm sure there'll be something. No, I, to, to stop being cryptic, we all, all the the four of us actually, the all four from MSC. We might have to get an F4s and my fancy Zamboni picture. I think that might have to happen. Yeah. Um, the four of us head up to Newcastle for uh, a ball hockey tournament. We head up tomorrow, so I'm sure we're going to get some kind of Stafford story that materialises out of this weekend. Oh, there will. Be. Um, very much watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> but gentlemen, for now it's 25 to two. Don't think we've done too bad there in comparison to previous weeks, although I still think we're around the two-hour mark. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, um, Dave, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you very much, Andy, and to all the listeners, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Lots of thank yous. We're, thank we're you. very, we're very gracious, aren't we? We're, we're very polite. Uh, we're polite people. Gratitude. We are courteous. Yeah. courteous. Courteous. Um, Andy, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, thanks, Dave. Uh, I, I was thank Gref, but uh, hopefully he's got a few uh, a few spares or a, or a perfect game. We'll have to see. No, this is Gref. It's never going to be a perfect game. Uh, Turkey. But no, thanks for everyone listening. Um, that is a legitimate bowling. It is, yeah. No, it is, yeah. yeah. That's, I'm not just randomly saying words. <laughs> just throwing animals into the equation. <laughs> Next Brilliant. is Paul there. Um... No. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andy, thank you very much. Um, and Gref, yeah, you are now dead to us. So, um, you know, your 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 implied notice has been received. Um... <laughs> you chose to go bowling over over this. I'm, I'm sure the listeners are utterly disgusted and devastated. So, if you uh... want to complain. Um, you, we have social media outlets where you can complain to us of the lack of the Toothless Wonder. Please message us. Please do it. We, we, got, we got one a few weeks ago about Andy and, and, and his um, feedback. And we can we, confirm that we slapped him we as slapped request. Him multiple times because we read it multiple times. So if you guys, you know, either Twitter or Facebook, you want to message us, give us the feedback on Gref, we'll act upon it. Round the patch, definitely. Brilliant. Do you know, we, we, we used to have the, the hashtag, hashtag who is Gareth Dutton. We're going to have hashtag where is Gareth Dutton now. 
I think I, got, I see thought. a game coming on on my fancy Zamboni Twitter. <laughs> I see a game coming on on our Twitter now. It's like random pictures of Gref in Newcastle with just no, hashtag if, where if is Gareth Dunn. If anybody's got a Gareth random gone. hooped t-shirt that we could get for tomorrow and we can get Gref in photos and it would be the true where's Gareth Dutton in the where's Wally sense. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. On that note... Um, yeah, thank you very much, everybody. Obviously, at MFZ Podcast on Twitter, My Fantasy Zamboni Podcast, Podcast on Facebook. Feel free to ask us any questions. Uh, we will have a couple more interviews coming your way over the next few weeks. Um, big thank you to Dean Woolley again for uh, for agreeing to to give us uh, some of his time for that. Hopefully, you enjoyed that. Um, and, yeah, thank you very much to everybody for listening to another episode of My Fantasy Zamboni. Cheers. <laughs>